Good morning. Good morning. Happy Thursday. Hope everyone's having a lovely morning so far. It's only 8.30. The day is young. The day is young. I had a bad day yesterday. I was in a bad mood and I was tired. <sighs> Today we're turning it around though. Okay. All right. Good morning. All right. As you can see, to the topic for today, a bit of a downer, bit of a downer. Uh, I am coming, first of all, before we get into it, let me just pause. If you're new here, my name is Leija. I'm a real life lawyer and I'm on a mission to demystify the law and how it affects your everyday life. I'm not a journalist. I'm not unbiased. I'm just your pal who's a lawyer who likes to read the news. Uh, and then talk to you about it. So basically, I read the news so that you don't have to, but you probably still should. Okay? On the subject of Iran, I am... The fact that I'm a lawyer is pointless. I have no I have no experience. I have no expertise. I am not coming at you as someone who has expertise on this subject area. Okay? I'm coming to you as a concerned citizen who's read some news articles. Okay, and I have a platform and I felt like it was a worthy topic to unpack. And I talk about the news and this has been in the headlines. Okay, are we all on the same page? Great. Glad we're here. Uh... Also, it's Iran, but I am a millennial who grew up during the 9-11 time period, so I may accidentally say Iran, Iran, because that's what I grew up hearing. Iran, Iran, okay? Great. So let's, let's talk about it. First of all, this is where Iran is. Here it is, just so we're all situated on a map, okay? It's this big country right here. It's a big country. A lot of the protests have been happening in Tehran, but they're also happening all over the country. Okay? All right. So we're going to start today by talking about what's going on in Iran because my TikTok feed has been flooded with mainly pleas from women, Iranian women, asking to get the news to the mainstream so that more international news sources are reporting on some of these atrocities that they're seeing inside Iran right now. Uh, namely the arrest and execution of Iranian women. So let's talk about what's going on there. So at the symbolic center of these protests is the hijab. Um, it's the headscarf that Iranian law requires women to wear in public, along with loose-fitting and modest clothing. But of course, the hijab is symbolic of the political and societal power structures that have allowed for the abuse of women for decades. It's also become a symbol of Iranian identity. There was actually a law in Iran in the 1930s that banned the hijab. The hijab was banned in an attempt to westernize the country. And then when the hard line faction that's currently in power came to power. I'm glossing over a literal century of history. I apologize. There's been a return to Islamic law. So basically, 
The point being, these ideologies are playing themselves out on Iranian women's bodies, and hijabs now symbolize the Islamic national identity of the Islamic Republic. So, like, it's not just a scarf, is my point here, okay? Ironically, with the increased um, push for women to, or the laws, with the new laws that required Iranian women to wear hijabs, many families saw this increased modesty as making the world a safer place for their daughters, so they allowed them to go to college. And now these college-educated women are running into a lot of laws and rules and regulations and bigotry around their ability to participate in public life, and they're like, wait one fucking minute, okay? They're mad. And the Iranian government is led by this hardline faction that many see as fully out of step with society and with this generation and what they actually want and what they care about. The average age in Iran is 31 as compared to 38 in the U.S. So this younger generation has grown up with at least some access to the Internet um, and some Western influence. And that combined with the increasing education of women, like 60% of university students in Iran are women, um, has had shifting ideals that the hardline Islamic government doesn't square with, especially when it comes to human rights and women's rights. In Iran, they have what's called colloquially, colloquially as the morality police, formally called the guidance, formally called the guidance patrol. They enforce the Islamic dress code. And if women don't comply with wearing the hijab, they could face fines. They could face receiving up to 74 lashes. They also face beatings or knife attacks and even acid thrown on them, not only by people in the street, but also by officials. So it's in this environment that a woman named Masa Amini, a 22-year-old Kurdish woman, was arrested for not wearing her, her hijab correctly. The police then claimed that she collapsed suddenly from either a stroke or a heart attack during the training on the hijab rules which apparently is mandatory if you're brought into custody. But then video and a photo came out of her in the hospital in a coma, and she had bruises all over her face. There was blood dripping out of her ear, and those photos went viral. And then when she died a few days later, that's when the protests erupted. So there's also an element of ethnicity here because Masa Amini was Kurdish. The Kurds are an historically suppressed oppressed group that do not have a national state, but instead have this settlement uh, called Kurdistan, which is just this region that crosses portions of Turkey, Syria, Iran, Iraq, and other countries. So now Iran is placing some of the blame for these protests on Kurds, just generally instigating the protests. And these protests have been going on for 20 days as of today. During this time, dozens of people have been killed, killed in the streets, and many, many others arrested. The authorities have not released numbers on how many. And many, many of them are young teenagers, including, let me see, I had a picture of her. This girl, her name is Nika Shakarami. Sorry. I'm not saying that right. She was 16. She died during protests. 
Even school children and teenagers are taking their hijabs off, swinging them around, throwing them in the air, chanting during school. And university students have also been very active in the in this movement. There was some there's some video of it that I had found. I don't know where it is. That's all right. So university students are also involved in the protests and, you know, it's being cracked down upon by the authorities with violence. Leaders in Iran are partially blaming the Kurds. They're also blaming the United States and Israel for these protests. Um, but the U.S. and the EU are beginning to take notice. The EU has signaled that it's considering human rights sanctions against Tehran. And Biden has said he'll impose further costs on the people responsible for violence in Iran. I don't know what that means. Last week, the U.S. sanctioned Iran's morality police, as well as seven leaders of Iranian security organizations. Again, I don't really know what that means. Sanctions? Because it's not necessarily economic sanctions. It could just be like a name and shame thing, which we have done within the last week of just saying like, it's really bad what you're doing. You better stop or else we're mad. So there's been some, you know, news circulating about what's going on and it's starting to gain more international attention. But I don't know what's actually being done at this point from the outside to really push for an end to this. And I don't know how much can be done to push for an end to this. Um, their Condé Nast Traveler ha unexpectedly has a article about how you can help. It was written by an Iranian American. So it's not just like some white girl in Manhattan, right? Telling you how to help. Um, <clears throat> so here's a list of some of the women activists and journalists. We've got Masa. I'm not going to, I can't say that. I'm going to butcher them. We got a researcher and advocate for Article 19, co-founder of the Abdurrahman Boromand Center, uh, deputy director of the Center for Human Rights in Iran. These are all women that have, you know, public facing accounts, social media accounts. So you can actually go and get more firsthand knowledge of what's happening on the ground. Um, this here, I was going to put it in the description box, but I forgot. Let me put it in the comments for now, and then I'll throw it in the description box afterwards. Um, so this is the list of women activists that you can go follow to see what's happening. Um, and then there are organizations that you can donate to, the, the Abdurrahman Boroman Center, the Human Rights Activist News Agency, the Center for Human Rights in Iran. These are all Iran-focused organizations that you can donate to. You can also contact your representatives. You know how I feel about that. Is it effective? I don't know, but the more you do it, the louder your voice is in their ear. So it's not something to brush aside. It's definitely something worth doing. Um, to tell them that you support sanctions against Iran, um, sharing the news of what's happening Iran, in Iran, the factually correct news that you get from these women who are activists who are on the ground or have connections with people on the ground, participating in solidarity protests if there are any in your area, 
And then, yeah, the human rights organizations that focus on Iran, the Abdurrahman Boroman Center, Center for Human Rights in Iran, Human Rights Activist News Agency. The more attention there is on Iran, the more the Islamic Republic is under pressure. And that is what's happening in Iran and how to help for now from a bird's eye view from an outsider's perspective who's just read the news. Thank you so much for the super sticker. Very appreciated. Looking at all of your comments. Yeah, I mean, Greg Abbott doesn't care. Yeah, fair. I'm not saying call your governors, though. <laughs> they can't really do much. I mean, call your, like, U.S congressional representatives to do something on like a federal level. So that's that. I'm just reading through all of your comments. Yeah, we celebrate women. We don't want to police what they wear. Yeah, it's been a lifetime watching this situation unfold. It's truly wild to be, to feel strangely connected to Iran because of this two decades long war in the region that feels like we were connected to the region somehow and yet know nothing about it and don't really understand personal speaking from personal experience don't really understand exactly what's going on thank you for the super chat Real question, what do you say when you call a rep? Usually it's going to be their assistant or secretary who answers. Um, you will just say, I'm calling I'm calling because of my concern about what's happening in Iran right now. And I would like to request that representative so-and-so pushes for sanctions against Iran and brings more attention to what's going on. Um, and if you know that the person has ran on a platform of being like feminist or pro women's rights or even pro like I feel like even a you can give a Republican slant to this if you really needed to. Um, you'd have to get creative with that, but just be like, I know that I know that he or she ran on a platform of being pro-women's rights and this is like the biggest women's rights issue that's happening globally at this point and so i wanted to call and and ask that he or she push for sanctions that's about it and the secretary would be like yep noted and then it it takes like 15 seconds Right. 
it's hard to it's hard to believe that Rand Paul or Mitch McConnell are going to care what you have to say. However, if enough people call them to say it's important, it will at least get on their radar on a national level, which is not nothing. Yeah, it's it's quite easy to call your rep. And also these people that you're calling the secretaries, whoever's answering, they are very, very used to getting calls from constituents. So it's not like they're going to be like, who is this? Why are you calling? You know, it's part of their job. All right, we're going to move on from this topic. In other news, in other news, I just read a report. This is not more uplifting than what we were just talking about. Uh, the New York Times just released a report saying that after Trump's Mar-a-Lago resort was searched by the FBI, a call for civil war across social media flared which I guess we kind of already knew, especially if you've watched my alt-right TikTok reaction video, but they have some receipts. The New York Times mentions of civil war. The words civil war increased 3,000% on Twitter after the Mar-a-Lago search with similar jumps recorded on pretty much every other social media platform. Mentions of civil war more than doubled on radio and podcasts. And experts are now bracing for renewed discussions of civil war with the midterm elections approaching, which always makes politics feel more urgent and heated. And some people, it depends on, there's a difference in kind of what people mean. Some people mean literal civil war, like they are ready for prolonged violent conflict over the politics of this country. Um, some are pushing more for a civil war that's more of a cold war of distrust. Um, but it's not just like weirdos online saying this stuff. Actual government officials are also saying things to instigate more discussion around a civil war. For example, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene was at a Trump rally in Michigan on Saturday and said that, quote, Democrats want Republicans dead. And, quote, Joe Biden has declared every freedom-loving American an enemy of the state. And that's what's wild about these people. They claim to be wolves, not sheep. But idiots like Marjorie can just get up and scream things that have no basis in reality. And they're like, wait a minute. He did what? Now I'm pissed off. You know what I mean? And at a recent fundraiser, this is pretty rich, Michael Flynn Trump's former national security advisor said, states' rights, did you know that a governor can declare war? And we're probably going to see that. Um, this, by the way, is not true. A governor cannot declare war, according to this professor of law at the University of Miami. And even though various and sundry interpreters of the Constitution have, from time to time, tried to argue that the states are sovereign as well, it's a different kind of sovereignty. They have sovereignty over certain elements of action within their own state. Declaring war on any anybody in their own state, not being among those powers, I suppose I should add. <laughs> this woman sounds fed up. Fed up, okay? So just fact check, Michael Flynn. Governors cannot declare war. 
So this is just another example of far-right candidates just instigating, just adding fuel to the fire of the people who fear what the government can do and are ready for like a bloody insurrection. Not to mention even the Oath Keepers trial that's currently ongoing. I made a whole video about this, but there clearly were messages that were cited in that indictment against them where they are like ready to go to war, literally have weapons on standby. So you hate it. You hate to see it. Looking at your comments now. Yeah, that already TikTok video that I made, it's not surprising. That fishing pier, they wanted war. These, these, these alt-right people, they are fishermen angry. Yeah. Freedom-loving Americans, unless it comes to, like, bodily autonomy or who we marry, not those freedoms. No, no, no. No, no, no. Such a mess. Such a mess. Okay. In other, I guess, Republican news, have y'all heard of Herschel Walker? I've seen him pop up. Didn't really know who he was until recently. He was parody on, on SNL last weekend. And I kept saying stuff about him and abortion coming up, so I thought I'd take a look. He's apparently a former running back for football. Did that 12 seasons, so... Naturally, he's a Republican because he has money. Uh, and he is now somehow the Republican nominee for the 2022 midterm Senate elections in Georgia. He's a Senate Republican nominee in Georgia. He's also a staunch pro-lifer or anti-choicer, whatever you want to call him. And it was revealed that he had, of course, paid for a woman, his girlfriend, to get an abortion in the past. And it turns out... That woman is also the mother of one of his other children. He's vehemently denied even knowing who this woman might be. Okay. Not great. Not great. And his son is apparently a conservative social media influencer, Christian Walker, which conservative. Look at this boy. How have the gays not swooped in and corrupted him yet? What are we doing? What are we doing? Anyway, he, despite being somehow a conservative social media <clears throat> person, is blasting his dad all over social media. Just being like, he claims to be all about these family values, but he uh, was always out just getting more women pregnant, was never around raising the children that he had, and was abusive when he was around, according to what Christian is alleging. So doesn't look great for Herschel, doesn't look great, um, which does look good for the Democratic candidate for the Senate, the incumbent, whose name is, of course, failing me now, but the incumbent Democrat for the Senate in Georgia. 
might have a might have an easier time with all that's going down with old Herschel. Oh, Moira. So anyway, this is just another example of how like pro-lifers, anti-choicers, oftentimes, not always, but a lot of the times in my experience anecdotally, have benefited from abortion in some way, shape, or form during their lives, but don't want anyone else to benefit from it. I have heard one conservative, extremely Christian person that I knew in a past life say that it was okay for her to get an abortion. Well, it wasn't okay for her to get an abortion, but it's because she's a sinner and has to atone for those sins. So just because she got one doesn't mean anyone else should. It's just because she's a sinner and we're all sinners. You know what I mean? I don't know. The logic defies all logic, frankly. The, the cognitive dissonance is palpable. Palpable. This is also, like, uh, very prevalent in the history of abortion when we're talking about anti-abortion laws. The people writing them, the people pushing for them were often men in power who had paid for women in their past lives to get abortions, who had benefited from abortions in the past. So... Make it make sense. I'm not that smart. <laughs> well, at least he's self-aware, I guess. Uh, speaking of the gays, though, in happier news, Velma's a lesbian. She's got a crush on this new character, Coco Diablo, which frankly, who doesn't have a crush on Coco Diablo? Look at her. You love to see it. The gay agenda spreading far and wide. In the new film, Trick or Treat Scooby-Doo. Now, I didn't grow up with Scooby-Doo, I think because it was on the Nickelodeon and I didn't have that as a young child because I was poor. Um, pure, as Tracy would say. Um, but I might just have to watch this, first of all, because I love a wholesome Halloween movie, and second of all, because lesbians. We're so proud of Velma. We love Velma. Gay agenda for the win. You love to see it. That's all, my friends. Wow, it's not even 9 a.m. Look at us. Just rapid firing through the news. That was my consumption corner. I don't have any other consumption corner notes. Uh, I consumed a lot of TikToks yesterday. I had an off. I had a bad day yesterday. I had an, an exhausted day. One of those days where it was like, I guess I'll take it to the couch. And I did a lot of TikTok watching. I'm also reading the Harry Potter series, rereading for fun because I don't want anything too mentally stimulating. I just want a nice time. So I'm on book three. Bye, Racer. You know, I had that thought too. 
is she full on lesbian just because she likes this one girl? We're making assumptions here. Thank you for joining. Thank you for becoming a member of this channel. Anyway, thank you for being here. I'm going to wrap this up. I got a lot of work to do. If you're still watching, please give the video a like. It very much helps the algorithm. Give it a subscribe if you've been lurking, but you're not subscribed somehow. Uh, tomorrow's Friday. <laughs> we've made it almost. Um, tomorrow morning there will be an edited video. Edited video at 8.30 a.m. tomorrow morning. Not a live stream. Edited video. Guess what it's about? Salem Witch Trials. Salem Witch Trials, my friends. A nice final hurrah for spooky season. Not that spooky season's over, but I'm just getting the videos out now so y'all can watch them for the rest of spooky season. You know what I mean? So keep an eye out for, uh, yeah, Salem Witch Trials video tomorrow. It will be a premiere, so I will be here too, and we can chat while it, while it airs. Cannot wait. I will see you virtually via chat tomorrow morning, 8.30 a.m. Have a good day. Bye-bye.